this retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray I'm digging back on all the things that were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I also do is delight Okay, welcome to another weird episode of So Do We Still Like This, where, I don't know, it's like one of those morning shows, where the morning show host doesn't have any one to play off of. It's just it's just them, uh, which do exist. I feel bad. There's one locally that I don't listen to for that very reason. But look, we're just going to grit our teeth, and we're going to get through this together. I never say my name anymore. I'm your host, Sean. This is episode 245, I believe, and another lesson in planning ahead. I don't know, there's only so much planning ahead that you can do. Uh, there's opportunities coming up to, to bank some more episodes, which will be good. So we have to do a little bit less of these emergency things, but we're in one of those uh, awful situations where like everyone is sick. And it's what I talked about like six months ago, I think, where remember the, the, the before children days when you were sick and you could just sleep it off and relax back when we just had cats and I'd be like, I'm just going to sleep for eight hours and my cat's going to join me and comfort me in my eight hours of sickness. And then I, I have no obligations so I can just sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep. Whereas now... You're sick, but the kid's sick, so you like no, you can't relax. You have to take care of the sick kid, and then as they get better and you don't seem to, it's like okay, well, daddy's just gonna you know rest his eyes. No, wake up, play. So that's where we're at. Um, things. Well, there were some tech issues, and then that led into sickness, and it's really hard to record. Oh, oh no. It's just my weekly screen report telling me live that my screen time was up 17% last week. And I won't tell you what that is <laughs> makes for an average of because that doesn't seem possible. Let's just assume I leave my phone on all the time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm still kind of on the back end of this thing. Had a really good run there, though. Like a really good run. I don't think I've been like knocked down sick since October, November. Whenever I had to record that episode about how sad I was, that was around that time. Uh, so yeah, we had, we had a good run there. This was this was natural, long overdue. So yeah, just gonna sit down and talk to you a little bit about. Uh, originally, it was gonna be Rob and I doing some British game shows, so that got pushed to next week, and instead, the backup plan was gonna be. Uh, my wife and I doing Red Eye because we just happened to have watched Red Eye last week and any opportunity to do an episode on something you've already happened to watch is one that should be seized but due to a combination of exhaustion because the, the, the sick kid was coughing a lot during the night uh, this uh, no <laughs> so <clears throat> just me and you're, you'll have to listen to my soothing gravelly Kiefer Sutherland-esque 
in the middle of how do other podcasts do it like the ones that never miss a week do they just are they just always healthy i don't understand actually now that i'm thinking about it how that works and i listen to a lot of morning radio shows and i don't remember too often hearing oh it's just me today because so-and-so's off sick so i don't know The others just must be made of sterner stuff, because, boy, I sure do feel like a lot of these episodes are, hey, everyone's sick again, so here we go. And there'll probably have to be a few obvious start and stops where I will sneeze and blow my nose a whole bunch. So, okay, let's just, let's just, I'll I'll, I'll hide it as best I can, and everyone, because look, it's, you you gotta keep the streak alive. I can't miss an episode now. I I would record head in the toilet sick at this point to keep the streak alive so here we are red eye 2005's red eye released on 4k blu-ray a few weeks ago because again you can usually line up episodes that we're doing with whether or not i just got a new blu-ray edition of that movie this one was one of those weird ones where it was just crazy in demand I consider myself a fairly big fan of film, but anytime I go on any sort of Blu-ray forums where they're asking, oh, what are some movies that aren't out yet that you really want to see? There's always, like, the most obscure... I need 1991's straight-to-DVD thriller. It's like, oh, Jesus. There are... Or movies that I've never heard of. I'm like, who wanted this? And then there's rows and rows and rows of people. Yay, this is what I've been waiting for forever. So it always struck me as odd because I watched Red Eye in 2005 when it came out. Because I was working at a video store and we were encouraged to watch everything. But I would have watched this one anyway, I think. And I watched it once and was like, yeah, that was good. And never thought much of it again. So then to see the demand of, why isn't this on Blu-ray yet? You gotta get, maybe it's a Wes Craven completionist thing. But this was a a big announcement in the Blu-ray circles. I paid, you know, being in Canada, way too much money. Like, just under $50 for a copy of Red Eye, which is 77 minutes long without credits, plus some bonus features. But that is a pretty wild dollar to minute of entertainment ratio with Red Eye. Uh, I don't know if I got just kind of caught up in the like, oh my god, they released Red Eye, I have to do it, but we watched it, uh, watched it last week, I had a couple memories of it, but not a whole lot, like one particular gross thing with a pen, I remembered, and obviously, like, I feel like, well, okay, if you go and watch the trailer, it's actually really well done, because our basic setup is Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy, play characters with names, I'm sure, but I'll be calling them Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy, uh, meet in an airport. They have a meet-cute in an airport, and Rachel McAdams is all like, you know, oh, it's she's the standard workaholic, and in your other kind of movie, she would learn to to let go, because she's a hotel manager, is like, oh, you're, the hotel's getting in the way of love, and you know, your obstacles in, in life are, you know, you're too attached to where you got to get rid of those and get those obstacles out of the way because they're blocking love. And that you got to stop, you know, don't answer that call. That's the lesson you have to learn. How dare you prioritize your job over over men? How that's so selfish. That would be, your, you know, your standard movie lesson. But the obstacle here isn't her job. Her obstacle here is that the meet cute guy is a secret murderer which is a much harder obstacle to overcome. 
So it takes a little bit into the movie, and I think all the trailer gives it away. But the trailer is actually really well done because it it's a minute of standard romantic comedy, although it's using that mid two thousands horror font that every trailer uses. You know, like I know that font. Some shit's about to go down, uh, and also it, it, like the guy is played by Killian Murphy. I just didn't, you know, we know. It's the Gary Oldman thing, where if Gary Oldman shows up and is like, oh, he looks like a nice mentor, but oh, motherfucker's played by Gary Oldman, so you know halfway through the movie he's going to start over-the-top yelling and going, I'm actually the baddie. So that's kind of, you know, as soon as you see Killian Murphy and look at those dead eyes and go, there is nothing behind those eyes. This this dude is absolutely secret assassin man who wants to kill politicians. And he is. But by the time he reveals that, they're on a plane. So what is one to do? And that's the basic premise. She sits next to him on a plane and he says, hey, you need to, this guy staying at your hotel, you need to put him in a different room, which makes murder easier for us or else I'm going to kill your dad. What is one to do? And it's very much, you know, it's one of those, one lo- mostly one location, two of them on the plane, very much based around just these two performers in one location. So, you know, it's going to obviously come down to dialogue and performance. Both of which are top-notch. I mean, Rachel McAdams obviously brings it. Killian Murphy's got that perfect, you know, he is, you know, he's charming for the first bit. But you also know, like, oh, I know, you're Killian Murphy. So when he flips that switch, he's very good at it. And it's just, yeah, the two of them work really, really well together. That was another cut, by the way. little blow-nose sneeze cut. Uh, but what actually kind of surprised me is, so it's a very short movie, which is kind of nice. Like there's not, I'm not, there's a lot of discourse happening right now about, oh, movies are too long and every movie that comes out is three hours, which is, you know, the same argument as everything that comes out of superhero is a superhero movie. Like, no, it's not. And I don't like to get involved in the, our movies too long thing, because it's hard to say as a general top level like that statement doesn't work a movie can be long if it justifies its length everyone was like oh a three-hour john wick movie i don't know and then you see john wick and it's like okay yeah i get it even out of three out of three hours there's not a lot of fat on that movie that could be cut off and it's kind of the same with with like with red eye it's 77 minutes long without credits, and it works to the movie's favor because you get just enough character development that it doesn't feel shallow. Nobody feels one-dimensional. Rachel McAdams has backstory, but is delivered in a way that feels natural to the situation instead of, you know, oh, did I ever tell you about the time that da 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 It, Or, you know, he, she's talking to her dad on the phone, and we talked about this in the Ghostbusters episode where exposition is delivered in a way like, you know, oh, I just wanted to check in. You haven't been the same since this incident that we would never talk about in this straightforward manner. Here, the way that they deliver just enough backstory that these characters feel well fleshed out for such a short movie versus being able to say, you know, oh, well, the characters are nothing to them, but it's a straight... Like, there is something to that. It's very easy to root for Rachel McAdams. They do a good job setting up supporting characters. You have Jayma Mays as the person working... Again, I don't know character names. Uh, working in her stead at the at the hotel. And you have like a couple asshole customers and just a few people on the plane. There's an elderly woman that she gives a book to that kind of keeps coming back. So there is enough character work going on that it just doesn't feel like, oh man, this is, it's a very shallow movie. 
it's it is cut it, it makes sense for this movie to be as short as it is i didn't finish it going like wow they really could have spent a bit more time doing this or this no i think it's really well done in that regard i think that anything more would have just kind of like it's a very you know the whole situation is based around you do not have a lot of time to make this call so if we then spent a lot of time like oh well we might as well chat about this and they do just enough of you know rachel mcadams trying to figure out how to get out of the situation and try a couple of different things without it getting repetitive and just this is a lot of (laughs) different ways of saying it it's a it's it's fast paced but not in, a, in not in the you know not by neglecting story which is well done so i'm praising it for being a short film but because it it knows what it needs to be and i'm not opposed to a long movie at all sometimes maybe you know do all of these Netflix comedies really need to be an hour and 58 minutes? Oh, maybe tell Jonah Hill to improv a little bit less and let's all cut it so we can all go to bed. But here, I think it works. It is, it's shot for PG-13, which I found kind of interesting because there was definitely that, I think this was around that time where DVDs would come out with like, oh, this is the uncut version because we shot it to be rated R and then the studio came in and said, oh no, we have to make it PG-13, that's why people come to see these movies, and then critics watch it and go, well, this was obviously shot to be R and cut to be PG-13, so this is a fucking nonsense mess that makes no sense anymore, and then people go, well, then I'm not going to see that, and that was a big thing that was happening then, but this one was actually shot to be PG-13, which is, it works well, because you can tell it's not cut, in a way that, like, oh, well, we should have seen something there, we should have seen something there, there's, like, one bit of violence, but it's shot in a way that you know they work around that it is always kind of odd with these movies being pg-13 because you know in real life you would just be sitting there going oh fuck you fucker fuck 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 but you know suspension of disbelief and all that uh you know already have suspended our disbelief that someone would look at killian murphy and go that looks like a charming dude and not a secret murder man so you know what we're already there uh but and it's also, I think, I was watching the bonus features and Wes Craven even said it was new territory for him to shoot, because, you know, look at that dude's filmography, which, yes, this is a Wes Craven movie. This was kind of, you know, new, like I said, new territory for him, PG-13, very much just a straightforward thriller. He was very much in the kind of scream era. Like, I was looking at his filmography and kind of in the back half, I didn't realize just how much he was focused on scream. His, it goes scream, scream two little bit of a break for the that music of the heart movie then scream three then cursed which was actually another wow same year as red eye but another shining example of we shot this to be rated r and then had to cut around it so now this movie just makes no goddamn sense although fun story in canada and i think i might have told the story before but whatever the whole thing around Cursed when it came out is people were reviewing it and saying, oh my god, it's so obviously supposed to be full of gore and it's not, it's so tame. So then we went to go see it because my brother and I, because we saw pretty much everything. And the first kill, the person is ripped in half and the top half of their body crawls along on the ground for a while. And we went, I don't think you can get away with that in a PG-13. Left, went on the internet, went, so here's a bunch of things that happened in the version we saw. Is that what everyone else saw? And everyone on 
online one. <laughs> no, what? So is that, you know, we don't get a lot of cool, unique stuff in Canada. It's pretty much just that. We got a couple good Tim Hortons original cereals, and we got to see Cursed Uncut in some theaters. Oh, and right now we have an un uncut version of Infinity Pool on Blu-ray, which everyone in the States is all mad about. It's like, let us have, let us have this one thing. These, these three things. Some cool cereal and two sort of uncut movies. That's it. That's all we get up here that, that is unique to us. So that's my story about Curse. But uh, yeah, kind of, and I, like Wes Craven is obviously, you know, rest in peace. He had a, his, his career or his filmography is like, there's not a lot of weak links in there. And after Red Eye, unfortunately, he only had a couple more, My Soul to Take, which I remember being one of the less consistent parts of that filmography. I mostly just remember that being Exposition, the movie. Uh, and then Scream 4, and then unfortunately he passed after that. But uh, it's incredibly well-directed because it's a lot of this movie is two people in airplane seats talking, and you have to make that suspenseful and tense, and I think it's done really well. Again, that's helped by the performances and the dialogue and the general need for this movie. Like, we just got to go, 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 go. So I think that part of it works really well. I think it does lose a little bit of that, you know, because flying already, at least to me, sucks. And sitting next to anyone, even if they're just a normal person, sucks. So if that normal person all of a sudden turns to you and says, guess what, I'm going to kill your dad, it's like, oh, god damn it. Like, I was already dreading this flight. Now I got to deal with this shit. So I think the movie, once it opens up past the airport and gets beyond the the plane and that confined setting and the claustrophobia i think it does lose a little bit uh you know when it becomes more of a general final girl cat and mouse fighting back sequence but uh you know i think the rachel rachel mcadams is just so just, like it's engaging and good to watch that i think it works um that character does a really good job of balancing like kind of obviously the vulnerability of the situation but also the you know fuck you of the situation uh, I don't really want to spoil the ending. I was a little disappointed with how it wraps up. And then, but I, yeah, I, I think it's still good. It just gets a little more, yeah, you know, we've seen this before in, in the final like 10, 15 minutes. But I think, you know, the movie, the setup to that, like the lead up to that works well enough that you're like, okay, I, I'm still invested. And I still want to see where this goes, obviously, but. I think the stuff on the airplane and the, the lead up to it, even when you know, you know, when you watch a movie you've seen before or where you obviously know where it's going, but you sometimes feel like for some reason you can just out of sheer will make that not happen. Like, you know, oh, I've seen this five times in this character. I like going to die, but like maybe not this time. Somehow, maybe this is the watch where that character is fine. There's a little bit of that here where, you you know, you know, oh, God damn it. This guy is going to turn, but. You know, you're still like, oh, you're still, even knowing that inevitability, there's still that tension of like, when's it going to happen? And maybe it won't happen. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, man, it's tricky to talk about this when it's, when it's just, just yourself. But I don't know, I, I, I the, the, the 2000s get a lot like first i don't know every horror decade seems to get a lot of crap but i feel like this era for some reason is also is very much pointed to you know maybe it's stuff like cursed and there was that 
Anna Paquin movie Darkness for some reason stands out and uh, there's that like boogeyman and white noise this is that era of horror it doesn't a lot of people are like oh this is a dark time for horror there's still good stuff in there and I think this is one of those we're doing Dead Silence soon which was 2007 I think hopefully there's still some merit there but there's still good stuff I, I do see now why this is one of those you know where's Red Eye where's Red Eye it's just a very lean well done high concept thriller you know where what if the you know what if the passenger on your the person sitting next to you on the plane was a secret murderer is one of those like one line pitches where you're like oh shit that would suck i wouldn't like that at all and thankfully the execution backs it up because there's a lot of movies where it's you know you hear that pitch and you go that's a good idea for a movie and then they botch it and you go well i hope one day somebody gets to remake this like when the first purge came out which they kind of corrected with the sequels kind of it's like, what if for 24 hours all crime was legal? And you go, that's I mean, that's a cool idea. It falls apart pretty fast when you think about it, but I like where your head's at. Let's see what you're going to do with it. And the answer to that was, it's just Ethan Hawke in his house and people trying to get in. And you go, well, that's disappointing. So they do make good on that, at least uh, with their premise. And uh, yeah, I think this one is definitely still worth checking out almost 20, almost 20 years later. I think uh, it's worth your time. And it's not even that 77 minutes. It's like, what, one episode of a streaming TV show now? And again, I don't want to get too bogged down on length, but when I'm still in that mindset of an episode of TV is 42 minutes or 21 minutes. So now when I sit down and go, let's watch the new Ted Lasso, it's 78 minutes long. It's like, Jesus Christ. Really? Oh, the season finale of Stranger Things? Oh, buckle up. That's two nights. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, That's a lot of blasphemy. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. That's Red Eye, I think. Um, Episodes with humans will be coming up. Uh, Rob and I, uh, you know, like I said, there's hopefully opportunities to kind of bank some episodes because... Ooh, I think I just got arrogant because I hadn't been sick for so long and then, you know, things fall apart pretty quick because the last thing you want to do is prop yourself up in front of a microphone with your sickness and your sick kid in the background going, okay, let's talk about, hey, Rob, do you want to maybe take the lead on this and I'll take a little sleepy time? Nah. I'd rather just sit in front of a microphone and unprepared ramble at you versus doing that. Uh, Was this movie a hit? Hang on, I'm going to check. It kind of was. It uh, opened August 19th, 2005, against The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which I, when I saw that, went, oh, well, that movie would have clobbered it. Then 40-Year-Old Virgin opened with 21 million. Red Eye opened with 16. So taking on things like The Skeleton Key, which I think falls under that category of horror I was talking about before. And March of the Penguins. Uh, And then, yeah, Red Eye kind of keeps it going. Then it opened, there's The Cave, which... Another one of those mid-2000s. Red Eye's still going, still going, still going. Finishes with like 60 million bucks. So, yeah. Not bad. And then Flight Plan comes and dethrones it with a $24 million opening weekend. I guess 2005, we were just really into bad shit happening on planes. Uh, Yeah. What am I currently enjoying? God, what am I currently enjoying? I mentioned Ted Lasso. Season three is good. Kind of a downer, but good. 
Uh, we haven't finished The Mandalorian yet. Finished the Resident Evil 4 remake. That was very good. Finished the newest Fatal Frame. That was okay. Yeah, there's a few things. But uh, yeah, we'll be back with uh, more humans. We got some British game shows coming up. We got a Dead Silence episode coming up. I still want to do that Chuck Norris Sidekicks movie. And then I think we have an idea for episode 250. So that's weirdly soon. So I guess get excited for that. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe temper your expectations. That's just a safe bet from now on. And uh, Goodwill is Hunting. Still out there getting it done. A couple, I uh, got an episode. What was the last episode of that? I know First Kill is next. I think the last one was Last Man Standing. Man, we were kind of lukewarm on that movie. But you should still always check that out. And uh, once I'm on the other side and healthy, we're going to get started on the next season of Flipping Through Franchises. So, you know, go and get caught up there in the meantime. And, oh, fuck, I have to take us out with a classic quote from Red Eye. Oh, my God, it's never me who has to do this. This sucks. I hate this pressure. You're all very good at this. I always criticize people for, how are you not prepared? You knew this was coming, and look at me. All right, here we go. You want us to fill out a comment card? Yes, I do. And after you finish, you can go ahead and just shove it up your ass. Good night, everybody. So for all those things nostalgic, I asked to do and say.